your center place in your church, Lord Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to have your way. We thank you for the anointing. We know that everyone who hears this message will be helped today, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered by you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Ephesians 5.10 says, find out what pleases the Lord. That's always been an intriguing scripture to me. I call it the five and dime, 5.10, easy to remember. Ephesians 5.10, find out what pleases the Lord. You know what that tells me? It tells me that God is not such this great mystery. Oh, God's ways are above our ways and you just can never know the will of God. Yes, you can. God's big secret was Jesus, you see. In the Old Testament, he was a little mysterious, but all that in type and shadow back then was pointing to Jesus. And now he's come and been revealed to us and all of the hidden manna, the wisdom and blessings and secrets of God are hidden in his word, not from you, Christian, but for you. And so we can actually know what pleases God and because he loves us so much and is so pleased with us just for choosing his son, Jesus, isn't it just natural that we want to come to find out what pleases him? The times that we live in and the world that we live in are troubled, aren't they? We can see that just by looking around the lost and, and most of the church, let's be honest, don't live a life of obedience to Jesus. So there's no real wisdom. There's the wisdom of the world, but it leads to destruction. And that what the Bible says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. And Jeremiah says, it's not within man to direct his own steps. In other words, God, I know I can't do this without you, not properly. And that's right. So we know that the world without God is in trouble, even though they pretend to be wise and think they're wise in their own eyes. We know that this is a flaw. So the lines between what are good and evil have become skewed. That's a word that simply means to make biased or distorted in a way that is regarded as inaccurate, unfair, or misleading. So let me tell you, knowing that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but there's a lot of inaccurate, unfair, and misleading or distorted views in this world, we know who to blame. And it's not God. It's Satan. The one who's in charge of this earthly realm for a time. And one of Satan's favorite things to do, one of his favorite deceptions, because that's all he does is lie. Jesus said he's the father of lies. It's all he's ever done is lie. But he also said, I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. He was cast down. So he's just a big fat zero with the rim knocked off. Amen. But one of his favorite deceptions is to make people think that he does not exist. And that's what he does in the hearts and minds of people today. Second Peter 3 verses 3. I'm going to have a lot of scriptures today. So you might just scribble the scripture down and then go back and, and look into them later. But if you just listen sharply today, it's going to go in like seed in seed form. And I know it's going to bear fruit in our lives. Amen. Second Peter 3.3. 3, Peter said this, knowing this, 
first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. A scoffer is simply someone who mocks or treats the truth with contempt. Okay? 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, Paul said this, Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And again, in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, verse 1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, or latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, this is not talking about people who never knew the Lord. These are, this is talking about people who, who did walk in faith at one time. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to abandon it. They're going to walk away from the truth of this word right here. And they're going to allow compromise to come into their life. And once you begin to compromise on God's word, you can compromise on any area of your life and justify it in your mind. It's called searing your conscience with a hot iron. There's a part of every person that knows God. They're born with it. And we're gonna, I'm going to get ahead of myself. But John 12, 48 says this. There is a judge. And we know who the judge is. It's not us, is it? God told uh, Billy Graham one time, he said, you know, you make a terrible Holy Spirit. In other words, quit being the judge of everybody. Just be a light. Be a witness. And let him do the judging. Takes the load off of us, doesn't it? But there is a judge for the one who rejects me, he says, and does not accept my words. This is Jesus talking in John twelve forty eight. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. So why will God judge people if everyone is deceived by Satan. Or, here's one you hear, or, or they never even heard the gospel. How can you judge them? How can you hold them responsible? How can they go to hell if they didn't grow up in the Bible Belt like we did and heard this word all their life and had an opportunity to at least hear enough of it to have enough faith to proclaim that they put their trust in the Lord. Read with me Romans chapter 1. And I want to show you this place. Because a lot of people like to dismiss God because they, they say that this is just impossible. This, this, this juncture, this crossroads we're at right here in this message. Where the devil is so deceiving and has everyone beguiled and he's in charge. Yet God's going to judge those who didn't accept His Son, Jesus Christ. How can this be? Some have never even heard, they say. Romans chapter 1. And I'm just going to read 19 and 20. Romans chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 to save time. It says, For what can be known about God is plain to them. Let me back up to verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Listen to that. God's wrath, His judgment against sin and evil things and thoughts and deeds has been revealed to all men. 
There's a conscience that we're born with that tells us right and wrong. Now, you can override that conscience for so long a period of time that it becomes what the Bible refers to as seared with a hot iron. In other words, you've, you've dismissed God's urgings and promptings and reminders so long that you've just come desensitized to it. And one way that helps people to do that is to find like-minded sinners that they'll agree with them. That's why that's one of the real signs of a mature or maturing Christian is that when thing when trials and tribulation or offenses come because we get offended a lot. You don't just pick up the phone and call somebody who will agree with you because that friend is not a friend. But instead you learn to pick up this word, go to your prayer closet or call the godly friend and mentor who will remind you what the Lord says about this particular situation. That's a great litmus test for someone who is growing in their relationship with the Lord. Because the other one is not really a friend, I'll tell you that. Verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. This is talking about all men now. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, This is talking about all men. They don't know him like we know him. And we don't know him like we will know him. But they're saying everyone has come into contact with God in some way, in some form. If not by the word, then by the things that he has created. Just by experiencing this world. And he's caused them to be aware in their conscience. So they're without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. He's talking about people that worship idols and there's all sorts of idolatry. It doesn't have to be a graven image. We can worship um, a person. We can worship a job. We can worship power and money. And we can worship all sorts of wrong things. Nevertheless, I wanted to touch base with that. Just to let us see that God is not unrighteous. Because you know what he's going to do? He's going to judge everyone on the known truth. The things that they do know. Their own words He will put before them their own experiences. He will remind them of. There will be standing before him every single person who was ever born. And he's not going to judge them on things that they never encountered or never heard. Or hold them responsible for that. He's going to hold them responsible for the things that intuitively he caused them to know. And he knows it and they know it. You see what I'm saying? Praise God. Well... That's uh, that's brought us to a lot of deep thought. So thank you for that.
thunderous amen and applause. <laughs> now, moving past that, we, we don't ever stop at any negative thing, right? Remember what the Lord told me when I first started. Don't ever leave my people in that condition. But that's good knowledge and information to have because people are always going to challenge you regarding those things when it comes to your evangelism or trying to share uh, the amazing Jesus with people who don't know him. So we're always going to pray for the lost. We're always going to pray and believe for revival because we, unlike the 10 spies of the 12 who went into the promised land and the 10 that came back with the bad report, we're not ever going to be those 10. We're going to be like Joshua and Caleb who had the good report and were blessed because of it. Amen. I don't ever want to be found in that that group of 10 because everybody that followed those 10 got the same judgment as they did. So I don't want that for anybody. And I'm going to always be seeking the Lord and believing and seeing the good. Amen. Habakkuk 3, 2 says in the midst of the years, revive it in the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. He's calling for revival. The prophet Habakkuk is pleading with God to send revival, revive the nation and in his righteous indignation or wrath to remember that he is a merciful God. And it's always good to remind God of his wonderful attributes. He loves that when we do that. It blesses him, actually. It ministers to him. Do you know you can minister to God? How awesome is that? Do you know God has a soul just like you do? He has a a mind, a will, and emotions. He created us in His image. Praise God. So God, Habakkuk was calling for revival and to remind God of that how merciful He is. God actually grants repentance. And this is something that we should be, be believing for, for everyone who's off course and even for ourselves. Lord, grant repentance. 2 Timothy 2.25, you'll see that God is the one who grants repentance. And this is something we ought to pray for. And when we're drifting away from God and obedience to him, we we should also pray for God to um, to the to to allow repentance for those who aren't saved and for those we know are saved, but are what we know is backsliders. Amen. (laughs) Because there's a lot of situations like that. And as long as there's breath in their body, there's hope. Amen. So we're going to be believing for revival and we want to set ourselves and keep ourselves in position to receive all that God has for us and to be a place where he is welcome and feels comfortable to come and bring revival. God wants revival more than we do. We so we're not God is not stuck or uh, waiting for a good time or a time he has planned. He's just waiting for the hearts and minds of people to be right. Amen. So we want to be strong Christians so that we can help others. That's our vision here to heal, empower, love and prosper the body. And so we're going to work on ourselves continually and make sure that we're in position to receive from the Lord and also to help others to do the same, to keep ourselves in position to be useful and usable by God. So we should always endeavor to exercise, practice put into play the word of righteousness in our lives. Amen. This Bible needs to become a living, breathing thing, which it already is, but in our minds and in our hearts. And and we need to come into greater knowledge and understanding or revelation 
of of God and his word. Amen. Because this is the help that we need. In short, we need to embark on the life of faith that God has called us to. Isn't that what he said? That the just shall live by faith. Who are the just? When Jesus hung suspended between heaven and earth on that cross. And took your life, your sin upon his body on that cross. The punishment. He exhausted all of God's wrath and punishment on his self, on his own body. With our sin. Our judgment. So that you could be justified. And if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are justified in His eyes, in God's eyes. Just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. God looks at you. Now all He sees is Jesus. He sees pure gold. He either sees the seed of Adam, corrupted and fallen, or He sees the seed of Jesus. So, we need to see ourselves in that light. We need to know that God sees us. That we need to know that God has our picture in his wallet. Your picture is on his mantle and he loves you. And where other people could not even tread or they would be killed if they even try to go into his presence. You are his child and just like a little kid at his daddy's work can run right into the office when he's having a big meeting and just run right in there to the to his desk and hug you daddy you know that's how god thinks of you amen and it's important that we see it that way because what religion will do is teach you to always be trying to to earn his approval and what that really does is the same thing the law did when it was in place it never made anybody good it just reminded them of the fact that they weren't good It brought condemnation and guilt and it caused people to run from God instead of to Him. And when we run from God, what happens when we create that space between us and the Lord? The space is opportunity for sin. Temptation comes in that space and that's where we begin to make mistakes. We need to know that we can always run to God and never have to run from Him. Amen? So we need to be encouraged because we're not alone. He's always with us. Isaiah 41.10, he says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't get down when it looks like you're all alone in this world and you're the only one trying to serve me and live for me and everybody hates you because you're a Christian. He says, if they hate you, it's they hated me first. And it's, be, it's not you that they really hate. It's, it's me and you. So be encouraged. I'm with you, he said, for I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. And here's another one to encourage you because we need to be encouraged during these times because it's so easy to allow the fear of man to come in. And what what that is, is it's just a, an overwhelming desire to, to, to be a man pleaser, to to get along, to be liked, and to, and to the point where you will compromise your Christian life in order to be accepted in this world. And that's a bad thing. It's a snare of the devil, is what the Bible refers to it at. 
And here's what Peter said to encourage us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. He says this, this he starts out so nice because Peter was kind of a rough and tough guy. So I like it when he starts out, beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. How many of you know when you really get sold out for the Lord, it feels like everything has come unwound. It feels like you're uh, in the twilight zone. Huh? Yeah. He says, so don't be surprised at this fiery trial you're going through, like something that's really strange is happening to you. Verse 13, but rejoice insofar as your share as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or even a meddler or a gossip. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous are scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Just saying, trust God. He's faithful and he's righteous concerning you and we should be as he is. Amen? Amen. This is where our life of faith comes in. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six, And that's actually a theme throughout the Bible. It says, the righteous shall live by faith. That's Romans 1, 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And Hebrews 10.38 says, But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul... Oh, look, God has a soul. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. How do I know that I'm living and walking in faith? It's a good question. It's something good to talk about in church, isn't it? I mean, keep telling me to live by faith, to walk by faith. I don't even know what that really means, Pastor. Come on. I, I remember when I was young in the, in the faith and, and everybody kept talking about walk after the Spirit, walk after the Spirit. Heck, man, I got so confused. I would just walk around and try to be super spiritual, you know. Um, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know. And what it does, it caused me to focus on me a lot more than it should have. And that's never going to produce good things. Matter of fact, when we're sick, sickness tries to come upon us. Focusing on that illness will only keep us sick. If we have a bad habit, focusing on that habit is only going to keep us doing it. We need to put our eyes on the Lord, the promises of God, the truth of His Word, the things He has said about us that we have, that we do have, the power that He's placed in us. And we need to talk about that. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So first, if we want to know if we're walking in faith, 
we should understand, I think last week, I don't know if y'all heard the message. Some of you weren't here. Some of you were, but the faith speaks, doesn't it? The word teaches us that faith comes out of our mouth. We believe, therefore we have spoken. Isn't that what Paul said regarding his ministry? And talking about himself and the other apostles said, we believe, therefore we have spoken. In other words, I've told you the things that I know to be true, that I've come to believe regarding our Lord and Savior. Therefore, I have spoken. So out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this is a good litmus test. What are your words like? Another thing that's important to be sure that we're living and walking in life of faith out that we're called to is that we need to deny our flesh. And this is the tough one. This is the the struggle that everyone deals with their whole life. And we just blast off in the right direction toward God and then let Him make the course corrections every ten minutes for the rest of our life. You're never going to get it perfect. You're never going to go straight to God You're just going to be led through this life by the Holy Spirit as you allow Him to lead and guide you in the name of Jesus. By faith, faith in the grace of God, we walk after the Spirit. That's in agreement with this word. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. So really... Having a proper understanding of the word, the new covenant of grace and truth, amen, and then living in agreement with the word. That's walking after the spirit. That means every day when you come to this crossroads where, uh uh-oh, temptation or opportunity to go one way when you know God says go the other way, you just say, well, God said it, that settles it. I'm going his way and not the way that would have felt better to my flesh. I'm not going to tell that person off, even though they were really, really wrong what they did to me. I'm going to trust God. He says, vengeance is mine. Trust God. Nobody gets away with anything. People ask me all the time, man, you know, I try to do the right thing. But then you look over here. I'm staying in this one long lane of traffic. Because I know that that right lane is cut off up there by the barrels. I can see it from here. But everybody keeps zooming past me on the right and getting in up front there. I just want to get over there too and zoom up to the front. Heck, everybody else is doing it. I say, man, don't pay attention to them. God has scriptures about that. It looks like they're doing great. It looks like they're prospering for doing wrong. But they're not. They're not. You're going to reap what you sow. That's a... That's a principle, that's a spiritual principle that God says is never going to go away as long as heaven and earth are here. He put that in place for our benefit. And if we'll put our faith in it, we'll benefit from it. If we try to circumvent it and cut in line, we're going to reap what we sow. It's best just to come to terms with the fact that I'm just going to agree with God. I'm so tired of trying to box with God and try to fit Him into my plans. I'm just going to jump into His plan for me. I'm going to agree with God and watch what happens. I guarantee you, you can't outgive God. You can't outlove God. You can't out. You can't outdo Him in any way. He's going to bless you for everything you do in faith. 
So we need to deny our flesh and live a life of faith. Jesus said to speak to our mountains, didn't he? A mountain is anything that comes against us, a big obstacle in our life, a hardship, a problem that we come against where we have to make decisions, we have to endure, we have to go through some things. Jesus said, don't pray about it. Speak to it. That doesn't mean don't pray about it. He said, actually do pray and believe that you have what you pray for when you pray. But he says, speak to our mountains. In other words, we're not always going to get what we pray, but we're always going to get what we say. As long as we're saying things according to the grace of God. In other words, if Jesus didn't die to provide it for you, then you can't believe for it in his name and get it. That's why it's so important to have a proper understanding of the prosperity message and of healing and things like that. Because a large part of the body of Christ goes without those things because they don't have a proper biblical understanding of those things. You just can't believe past the grace of God is my point. But we need to understand the fullness of the grace of God so that we know to believe for those things. Amen. There's a famine in the land, a famine regarding the truth and knowledge of our God. And he says that my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge of knowing me. That's what God says in the word. And he's right. John chapter eight, verses 30 to 32. Jesus spoke these words. He had been talking to these people, but the point is he spoke these words. He was talking and his words caused them to believe. Many believed on him because he spoke these words. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if they were listening to Jesus, they were faith was going in. Amen. And it caused them to believe. Then Jesus said to those Jews, which believed on him and take Jews and put the house of God, Christians, put yourself in that place now. He says, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word. And this will cause you. And because of this. And if you continue in my word and, and you are my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. People say, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, the truth he's saying is comes by being his disciple, by continuing in his word. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Truth with understanding leads to applied truth. In other words, I see people all the time. They're listening, 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 soaking up all the messages they can. They listen to 18 pastors a week. And then they walk away. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. <laughs> they walk away and forget everything they just heard. And I'm, it's good because it's always going in anyway. But sometimes, you know, I look at my messages. And, and nothing to do with me. But if you would just take, if we would just take, including me, if we just take the scriptures from one message. Because I know a lot of pastors, and I'm not knocking anyone. A lot of them are really funny. A lot of them are really witty. A lot of them teach you how to succeed in life. A lot of them are good at making you laugh. A lot of them can really jump up and down and scream and, and preach and make you really entertained. 
or encourage you. But I always made it my point to put a lot of the word in there. Because it's the Word of God that brings faith. And that's what is seed form. And no, whether I'm the worst preacher in the world, I don't like my voice necessarily. I don't jump up and down. And, and I don't put God duh at the end of every sentence. And because of that, I might not be as entertaining as the next. But I'm going to make sure that I put a lot of that seed of God's Word into the people that hear the messages. And if we would just meditate on these Scriptures... The things of God. What do you mean? What are you saying to me? Let me meditate on this one scripture all day long. I think we would benefit greatly from it. Matter of fact, I know we would. Jesus said you'll know the truth. And the truth is what's going to make you free. So it's not. This is always true. This Bible. From cover to cover. Is true. Every part of it. Written in by God himself. Through men. But that truth can sit on a nightstand and never change a life. Right? So it's the, the known truth, the applied truth, that really transforms a life, isn't it? So Jesus is encouraging us here to apply the truth that we know. First Corinthians thirteen twelve, one day we're going to know all things, even as we are known. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He's talking about when we go to be with the Lord. In the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. This, this, this corruptible body will be exchanged for an uh, eternal body. Incorruptible. And our soul is being transformed now. Our, our spirit is already perfected. It has the very mind of Christ. All the... All the fruit of the Spirit, the power of God dwells in us in the fullness of the Godhead. However, our soul is being renewed. That's our mind, our will, and emotions. So right now we have limited knowledge and understanding and we're growing in that even as we sit here today. But when we get transformed, we're going we're gonna to know all things. That's going to be awesome. And he says one day we will know all things even as we're known. Some things though... Today, we have to just accept by faith. That's, that's this, this life, this class that we're going through is learning to walk in faith. Believing more in the things that we can't see than the things we can see. And that's where the real benefit as a Christian comes. That's where we can really draw on the, the grace of God by living the life of faith. And it will cause blessings and abundance and all the good things that God has for us. But God's not upset with us. God loves us. He's encouraging us. He's not the one who discourages. He's not the one who accuses and blames. He's very slow to anger. And He loves and adores you. The best thing you ever did was choose His Son as your Lord and Savior. And because of that thing alone, He loves you. And now, every good thing that Jesus did, He credits to you. It's not about what you do for Him. It's about what Jesus has done for all of us. Luke 15, and then we're done here today. Luke 15, verse... Well, let me go over to Luke 15, because I'm not going to be satisfied with that verse only. 
Luke 15. I had it marked and then I got excited and moved my marker while I was standing up here. <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke 15. And... Verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is a familiar story to most of us about the prodigal son. This boy had, in their culture, you would wait until your parent passed on, just like we do now, to get your inheritance. But this young man, he was the younger of the two brothers. And he was wild and young. And he went to his dad and might as well told him to drop dead because he said, give me my share of the inheritance now. And his father did it and he went and squandered it all on bad things, let's say. Leave it at that for now. And then he, and then he, a famine came to the land where he was. He ended up slopping hogs, basically, <laughs> just to try to make it. And he came to the end of himself. And he said, man, I need to, you know, the hired servants in my father's house are treated better than this, and I just need to, I just need to go back and, and humble myself. And, and that's what he did. This is really true repentance. Some people say, look, he didn't even repent. He just went and the father just lavished him. He didn't have to. But this is really true repentance. There's what they call jailhouse um, uh, Christianity or, or salvation or repentance. And it's, it's what they refer to. Not that people can't be saved in jail. Many, many are, for real. But they've, they've, there's a terminology for it. And it, it's based on someone. You don't even have to be in jail to have this jailhouse uh, religion. It's just really being sorry for your situation. Not sorry toward anyone else. Not truly repentant. But you're, you're upset that you're in this situation and you want it to be changed. You want it to go away. And so you're, you're willing to say and do anything just to get some help out of that situation. So you can go back, frankly, and do what you were doing before. That's not true repentance. And it doesn't bring real salvation either. But this boy, he said... He said, the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called. This is, he just really came to the end of himself. He, he humbled himself and just forgot about doing things in his own strength, in his own way, and just threw himself on the mercy of this loving father. And he was rewarded greatly for it. And I want to tell you today that this is exactly how your father feels about you. We should always be willing to walk in humility and, and uh, honor God. And when we recognize pride in our lives, I think next week we're going to go into rebellion a little bit so we know to recognize some of these things and how to 
how to keep them from having influence in our life. But we need to walk in humility before God. Without Him, we're nothing. Even the talents and abilities He's given us, nobody can really claim anything. We like to hang all of our awards and trophies and all that on the wall. And, and, and Paul says, you know, you glory in your own shame. Without God, none of that would even be possible. You couldn't even draw another breath. All you have to do is just scramble the, 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 the elements in your brain a little bit and you couldn't even walk across the floor. God's given us everything that we are and everything we have. We should always be glorifying Him and be thankful and stay humble before Him. And this keeps us in a position to receive from Him. When we act in pride, we effectively set ourselves on the throne of God and we try to become a God in our lives. And when we do that, He just sits back and waits for us to humble ourselves and, and to go back to a life of faith which is faith in Him, in His goodness, in Jesus, in the grace of God that Jesus has provided by the cross. Amen? Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam in the Garden of Eden, many were made sinners, that's all of us, so by the obedience of one, Jesus, shall many be made righteous. That's us. Amen? We have a good God. He says in Isaiah 44, verse 22, I've swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. I have purchased you with the blood of Jesus, a price you could never, ever repay. And Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, past tense, it's already done, with all spiritual blessings, and heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And third John 2, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. These are the good things that God thinks about us, and we need to realize that and remember that it's not on our own merits, it's on what on Jesus' merits, on his goodness, on his sacrifice for us, and be thankful. And just embrace Him and rest in His love for us and His provision. And learn to draw on it. Amen. You feel His love for you today? Well, I do. I love all of you and God loves you. And I thank you for being here. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Help us to tuck it into our hearts and hold on to it tightly. Not let the devil come and steal it from us. Help us to put it away so that it will bear fruit in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your love and faithfulness, your guidance, and all the wonderful things that you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, amen.